0: you
1: Welcome to another episode of Employee of the Month. I am delighted to um, share with you my interview with Mr. Reggie Watts, the comedian and musician who is an international superstar. Um, It's really difficult to explain what he does because so much of it is improvised, but he'll loop his music back and play it and and, um, record over it and everything is improvised. He's just so brilliant. I'm not the only person who's has to resort to 7th grade superlatives, although I am uh, a 7th grader at heart in many ways, so that's that's my crutch, but even New York Magazine has to simply say, spectacularly original, and LA Times deliciously strange, a comic genius comes all the time. That was from GQ Man of the Year. Um, he was also a hot comedian in Rolling Stone, and he is indeed hot. I was so happy to have him on the show. He was one of the first people who I thought of when I started doing the show. And, and like I said, he's he performed live um, for us. But ultimately, Employee of the Month is a show about how people choose to spend their time and live their lives. And I don't really believe you can get advice from someone and follow that advice specifically or prescriptively. And that's certainly the case with someone as unique as um, Reggie. I mean, What I'm hoping is that you all like myself will gain inspiration and joy and that will spur you on in your own search But I don't think it's the kind of situation uh, And I hope someone can prove me wrong that they were like, yeah I just I practiced I rehearsed and I I I really just followed Reggie obsessively and now I'm just like him I I don't think it's impossible, but please please feel free to prove me wrong Um, but my interview was so delightful that my dog here right now is even smiling which is such a great sign she breathes so hard and when she sleeps it's like sleeping with an old man the the snores are just it's a lot i I actually want to do a test and see um which sleeping pills uh allow me to get through the night with her i'm just kidding yes you do snore like an old man now i'm reassuring lady parts that she's gonna be fine she's gonna make it um, you are going to make it because you get to hear this wonderful interview. Hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Without further ado, Mr. Reggie Watts. The first time I interviewed Mark Marin. Yeah.
0: Okay,
1: I was like very young, just starting. It was for an article for Time Out New York, which is like. Ba- time Out oh, yeah. New York articles are basically Reggie Watts will be performing at Exit. Like, that's what yeah. they end up amounting to. Yeah, 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 right. He laid out on the couch and started telling me, like,
0: this whole life. <laughs> what? that was it that was it and then that's but did you get all of it
1: <laughs> well I just felt bad because he was giving me like such a thorough psychiatric. oh
0: uh, gotcha well it's sick. probably good for him to do it anyways it's I mean, like his form of therapy
1: it was therapeutic I hope
0: yeah I hope I think so
1: I think it changed his life
0: I think you're probably right I think it because of you so how many years ago was that
1: that was 2006 or 5 it was whenever Air America was wow yeah, it's definitely me. I love when people say that. Like, I discovered... I discovered Reggie Watts.
0: <laughs>
1: when I was at the drugstore.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah, I just... It's like... Yeah, I mean... Those are just impossible to gauge, you know? Unless, someone, unless someone's manufactured... Yeah, yeah, that someone can, can definitively claim. Like, I put this person in through this marketing regime. And, <laughs> and, and,
1: and produce
0: them. And produced them. And then they became popular. It's like, well, I get, yeah, okay, yeah. So maybe Britney Spears or something like
1: that.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so you've won, I have a couple notes. You've won okay. so many awards. You've won the Malcolm Hardy uh,
0: uh-huh. Award, uh-huh.
1: the Andy Kaufman Award, uh-huh. Seattle Mayor Arts Award, uh-huh. Creative Capital Grant for Performing Arts. Mm-hmm. and the Argus Angel Award mm-hmm. what's it like winning the employee of the month award
0: <laughs> well you know it's important to, to win those types of things you know so that you can keep your performance up you know it's about keeping the numbers up
1: keeping them yeah constant because I noticed that yours were slipping a lot of these it, they,
0: yeah I mean that's what you do stocks. that's the response that you have you know that's, you know, that's I and mean, there's a few different options but that's mo- the most common option <laughs>
1: Is to just keep getting more awards.
0: Yeah, just try to get as many awards as you can, because that's that's what it's about.
1: Yeah, awards and likes.
0: That's what I do. That's what I do what I do for. It's for these awards. For the awards, yeah. I just want to love awards.
1: Okay, the other thing I liked on your bio, Uh it was like Reggie has appeared on Fallon and Conan and the Yes Men's film and Funny or Die and Comedy Central, Mm -hmm. and then it says PBS's electric company very sweet great show and Uh within the same set of commas it's like pbs electric company and the video blowjobs that was like such an what about blowjobs
0: yeah yeah what about (laughs) blowjobs
1: but i thought that was like such an interesting order i was like did you need to put pbs electric company in this it's a a, a perfect it's it's
0: a good order to Uh, have them in yeah it's definitely a good order um yeah, I mean, all of that's true. It's all true. It is true. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I love that video, by the way. What about uh, blowjob?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I have to, I have to see it again.
1: I bet a lot of kids who watched PBS, who grew up on PBS, also watched it and liked it too. Oh, well,
0: it's very instructional.
1: <laughs> um, so okay, so growing up, your dad was a U.S. Air Force pilot.
0: No, he wasn't a pilot. He was in the Air Force. He was a master sergeant in the Air Force. and uh, um, But he was also in the Army, I think, as well. I don't know when he switched from the Army to the Air Force. but.
1: And then how did you meet your mom? She's a frog?
0: Yeah, she was in France.
1: Because she's French.
0: Because she's French. Um, the main reason. And she was in... Uh, I can't remember what, what town she was in, but um, I, my dad's friend in the military at the time was dating her best friend and then he met her that way like they went on a double date and uh but she i guess apparently she wasn't really into him at first
1: so what did it i don't know i'm just sort of intrigued because i think that you said you had said they're still together
0: they are yeah they're still together and um yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what happened. But no, I mean they were still together until he passed away five years ago. Okay. But yeah, they were together. I mean, although he did leave when I when I turned to, as soon as I turned thirteen, he was out of there. And then he came back when I was eighteen and graduating and was like, Oh, this guy just didn't want to deal with a teenager. That's amazing. I think that's what happened. He was just like, nah, this is too much for me. And he was an only child, so so he
1: And you were also an only kid? Yeah. Were you
0: close to him? Mm, not super close. Yeah. He's a very kind of quiet, quiet guy. I mean, he did really good things. I mean, you know, he would. He was into technology and a bit and. Uh, like what kind of
1: stuff?
0: Well, you know, not like hardcore technology, but like not really computers, but you know, little film cameras or camera gadgets. You know, he liked little gadgets and things like that. But. Uh, um,
1: but not thirteen-year-olds.
0: Not so much. I don't think thirteen-year-olds so much. I want to say that. I I just think if, I just think it's I, I can kind of see how someone would think that you know just be like I'm not around because we started to be a little aggressive towards one another you know like yeah. like you know he would be telling me to do stuff and I'd be like I'm not doing that you know like kind of standing up just to my d- dad or whatever which is totally normal and I think that I think that he probably felt like. I think it was a combination of things. Like one, he didn't want to escalate into something. He didn't know how to defuse it. You know, he's not like really a talker guy. You know, yeah. to be like, "Listen, I know what I did was that was difficult, and I know that you know, being your age, it's hard to blow blah, blah." You know, he, he never really spoke that way. It was always just authoritarian because that's the way he grew up—just very strict, authoritarian mother and father. You know, so I think that was the way he learned how to parent, and this was just like an enigma to him. He didn't quite understand what to do and so that and probably m- maybe a midlife crisis you know and he wanted to like regain some something or whatever so so he moved to Arizona for a while to get a master's degree in business management and he did and then, and then he, I think he went back to Cleveland for a little while.
1: Is that where he's from?
0: hmm Ohio yeah and then it's Mom passed away when I was... Oh, I guess I was already in Seattle, so... Yeah, so they were still alive. But anyways, so during that time, like, he lived there and Phoenix. and remember I used to go visit him in summers in Cleveland. Um, and visited my grandma. But uh, that was kind of it. And then when he moved back in high school, he just was hanging out at the house. And I was out in Seattle, and I would come back and visit and say hi to him, you know. But... It was fine, Like we didn't didn't hate each other or anything like that. It was just more like, just didn't really talk that much.
1: Like not a good fit?
0: Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, I can definitely, I definitely see some of the things I inherited from him. You know, like I guess when he was younger, people really liked him. You know, he was a very likable guy, and he he was kind of a smooth kind of a guy, you know, a little bit. I'm not a smooth operator, but I definitely, I'm, I'm easygoing.
1: Yes, you very, know, very much. Like, you know, yeah.
0: So that helps with like, oh, like you know, oh, this person's okay. Let's have this person hang out with us. You know. So I mean, there's definitely that, and he and he liked being like the life of the party a bit, you know. And he was a dancer and like, ah. you know, you know. So he was a cool guy. I wish I wish I could take a time machine and, and go back and just be able to observe, like my dad.
1: Yes. yes. Wouldn't that
0: just be weird to be able to just t- go back and see your parents as your age? Or I, younger.
1: I, I mean, I feel like they're the people we know the least about. In some totally. Ways. It's, a, it's such an odd
0: totally. juxtaposition
1: of they're so influential in us, and yet, like... I know. In multiple ways, we know so little about them.
0: That was completely right. I mean, you just... I mean, no, getting, to, getting to hang out with somebody and, like, laugh and, like, discover things together as, like, equals, like, in age or yes. whatever, is, like... That's an intense thing, you know, to go through, especially during your, you know... Like high school years. That's why I think um, Back to the Future is like such a great concept. <laughs> you know, him seeing his parents when they were just kids. You know, they were they were, but they were in the their formative social years. You know, the awkward social. Oh, completely. And you know, had
1: compassion for them. That's so was,
0: cool. Like, like, like
1: his dad was such a he's so much compassion for his dad trying to get in with his mom.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it was <laughs> so amazing. You know, like to see that. I mean, to have that chance with your parents. I mean, that would be insane. You yeah. know, it would.
1: My mom's mentally ill, so I would love to know what she was like when she was sane.
0: Oh yeah, you know what I mean? like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah.
1: Even for people who don't have that, but their parents are growing older, yes. or with dementia, all that like you want to know. Of I met your mom; she seemed lovely. You guys were walking down Houston. Were you? Are you close with her?
0: Yeah, yeah, she's really, really cool. I really like her. I, I mean, I would spend most of my. I guess most of my upbringing with her, or at least half of my upbringing with her.
1: She didn't resent that your dad just walked out?
0: I think she was bummed, but she's also French, and the French are a little bit more forgiving about men wandering. But is that because things. the women wander
1: too, or no? It's no,
0: like, not really. Yes. Not so much. Yeah. But she's also a Catholic, so she doesn't believe in divorce. So, yeah, she was like hardcore... It's for the long haul, no matter what happens, you know, I'm gonna accept him and blah, blah blah Some people might think that's whatever, foolish or you know, what have you, but it's what she believed and um she had to she had it's good that she had a structure like that to think about, otherwise she would have just broken down, you know.
1: Yeah absolutely. I feel like when people are it's very easy to admonish religion if you didn't need it. Yeah. And then a lot of people do and I envy them actually. Having it, I wish I had that faith. So, you know, when dealing with death and stuff like that, I really wish I could believe in something larger
0: than myself. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's the that's the cool thing about you know, my mom's still religious. She goes to church every Sunday, and like sometimes I'll go with her, even though it feels totally crazy to me to go to church with my Santa mom. Yeah, it's just a little like I mean, she appreciates. It's mostly I understand. It's mostly that she appreciates that I go with her. Yes. And so, yeah. that, so then I can kind of like swallow my weirdness about it and just go man just fucking go to church with your mom it's fine doesn't mean that you're you know there's no relapse or there's no right. you know it's gonna be weird you know church has always been weird
1: it also must be weird when they go to see an artisanal flea market <laughs> in yeah. the middle of like a truck stop or something I don't know Williamsburg yeah. or something like that and they're like so I feel like yeah. our, our, our own vanities might be seen as like a bit of a charade as well
0: oh of course I mean of course but At least a market, there's tangible results. That's
1: right. The pickles are usually better if they've been pickled.
0: Yeah, and if you buy them, you buy them. You know, you exchange money or you trade something for them and then you have a thing.
1: Yes. Whereas
0: churches, I mean, churches, when I was growing up, you know, there were moments in church that were really cool, but I never really was into the doctrine. I just liked the, the ritual aspect of it. And generally in Catholicism, you have these... Well, most religions, you have these large structures that you're in, and so the sound reverberates, and it's... You know, and there's something that I was really fascinated... I was fascinated with, like, medieval stuff. And, yeah, I like, was going to
1: ask, because I remember ringing the handbells at chapel. Yeah. Like, do, do the musically, like, it must
0: have been kind of neat for you, I feel like. Oh, I, yeah, I mean, the, the reverb is incredible. I mean, just, like, the sound of the room was amazing, yeah. and just the sound of, like, hundreds of people sitting down together or, like, standing up, you know, that sound of wooden benches creaking <laughs> and, like, you know, and... The, um, it's always like someone sniffing or you know sneezing or a little cough and just like that sound of a bunch of people in a large reverberant space sounds like you know and you know the music and the smells of the incense you know like yeah. all, all of that stuff it's I was fascinated in that the ritual thing, the ritual aspect. But you know that also ties back because a lot of the pictures you see are of you know they're old. Oh, I'm not looking. Oh, I in the pretend church
1: that we're was at pretend right
0: church. Now. I'm looking up at this picture over eyes. there. <laughs> um, it's a great one. Um, but you know what I mean? It's uh, I don't know. It's, it's just it's just the connection of something that's fairly old. You know, not not geologically by any means, but culturally, human wise, I mean, that we cha- that we base an entire time scale off of one individual. Yeah. The, All of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. And what's crazy is that, you know, there are literally there are infinite ways to perceive time. You know, and and yet that's what we're used to. But if you really think about it, it's it's doesn't it doesn't ever have to be that way. The fact that we have to adjust our calendars and time means that our... We have a very imperfect system, and it's just arbitrary. It's just... It's
1: fascinating. Like, was he punctual? I guess we'll never know.
0: I, I, I don't know. Like,
1: why did he get chosen?
0: And why and why was he and the weird thing is just like the connection of it you know like just okay well if Jesus was a real person because that's always in doubt too it's like well maybe he was maybe he wasn't there is no proof of his existence other than writings about someone so some people theorize that Jesus was actually a few different people that's
1: and, true of Shakespeare as well but,
0: um, yeah Shakespeare so there's all sorts of theories about that what, whatever you think about the mechanics of what that is it, whatever happened was enough to make people base time off of it. Yes. No. It's, it's fascinating
1: when you just brought that. I never thought about that, but it's so true, true because before Christ
0: and after Christ. That's 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 it. I mean, that's the that's the thing. You know, and the and the world is run on so many different calendars. You know, Sumerians had their own calendars. The Aztec and the Maya and the Egyptians had their own calendar, and the Druids had their own calendar. Like all of all of human cultures created their own version of measuring time. Yeah, and it's all been different systems. So this is just the system we have currently. But what's interesting is, you know, like the Mar- the Mars rover team um that just landed the, yeah, the yeah, rover on yeah. Mars. Um they live on Martian time. So they go by Martian day cycles because they're they're working on the mission. So they have to be running at the same time as the rover. The rover is is experiencing
1: and they have to schedule in the same nap times. Yeah,
0: it's very confusing. So it's, the so rover it's crazy. Xanax
1: and the a hold of it sets up their sleep schedule differently.
0: Yeah, completely. But that's an interesting thing because like you having to live on another planet's time time scale on another planet. I mean, you're on one planet and but you're living on another planet's time scale. Yes, that's that's fucking heavy, man. That's some heavy conceptual shit you know even though for them it's a job and they have to like for them it's like they need to be on that calendar so that they can you know when when daylight when daybreak happens on Mars they're already working on shit you know and then when I it ends like they're done
1: moving to the equator being near the equator is the closest thing I could possibly imagine to that but otherwise I can't like it's bananas I can't put my head around what it would be like to be on one planet and have time from another planet and I think the equator is the only thing closest yeah, I mean. I know that's heat, but it was like the only thing where
0: you're like. Yeah, or the North Pole or the South Pole. Yeah, where you're just where, so
1: vulnerable to what is, like you have no control yeah, over that. Yeah, like
0: the sun is just on all the time. It's just it's just up all the time. 24 hours a day, there's sun at certain periods. You know, when the what tilt. If you're when a Muslim and you move. have Ramadan, um, consider not doing Ramadan. <laughs> consider uh creating your own version of something because that's what'll that's what'll happen isn't there
1: one state without daylight savings or something like that oh
0: oh it might be maybe it's arizona
1: yeah it's probably arizona
0: something like that
1: let's just blame arizona for everything
0: okay starting now
1: starting now okay officially all right um so your dad did dance and was your mom musically talented
0: I mean, I mean, he liked to dance. He wasn't a dancer, but uh, uh, my mom uh, loved me just. They, I think my parents just loved music. Yes. They just loved music a lot. They didn't. They didn't really play. My dad played a little bit of saxophone when he was a teenager for a couple of years, but didn't stick with it. He was a big jazz fan, but um, no one in my family plays music.
1: So, do you remember like how you started playing?
0: I think it's because I was watching Ray Charles on TV and I started acting like I was playing the piano because I liked watching him play the piano, maybe Stevie Wonder too. Yeah. And and then they got me a toy piano and I was like playing on it. And then I think uh, I asked for piano lessons because I wanted to learn how to play the piano. Okay. So I started piano lessons about age, just when I was turning from four to five, I started. And then took, uh, it was one teacher from age... Four to sixteen.
1: The same teacher though all the way. Through.
0: Yeah, yeah, Judy Reisenberg.
1: Judy Reisenberg has the greatest.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Judith Reisenberg. Judith Reisenberg.
1: Reisenberg.
0: um Yeah.
1: So was she a phenomenal musician? She, she was
0: a good. She was a really great piano player. Yeah, she was you know proficient, good, and she was a good teacher. And her son Jason. And Gina and her daughter Gina um, were part of. I grew up with them in the same level. Um, so musically, you mean? Musically, yeah, like in piano. So when I'd come over for piano lessons, you know, because you did have a private lesson, they had group lessons. Oh wow! And um, and it was it was great. I'm so glad I. I, got, I mean, she really. That was the start of you know understanding music structurally you know for me and to the, have
1: the more classical formal training.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to learning like etudes and minuets and skirzandos and like um, you know various uh, famous pieces and various uh, folk pieces or simple you know different styles of music from different places and she would talk about you know where the music came from a bit and listen to stuff too we'd listen to music and then we would go over theory we had theory homework oh wow you know I mean it was very all inclusive piano you know and she's she's a badass teacher and she stuck I mean we had a I had at least, I was. I went to. I took piano lessons with probably the same four, at least four kids, all the way until I stopped when I was sixteen. Were
1: they equally gifted and interested?
0: All the students. Yeah, the, so, um, that
1: four, that core.
0: I mean, Jason was a pretty great piano player. We used to challenge each other by writing original music with each other. Wow. You know, like we'd compare, you know, kind of compete a little yes. bit, and then I, I remember I, used, uh, at a certain point, she was letting us play our own compositions for recitals. Yeah. But we had to write them out, and uh, and I just eventually I got I got tired of writing out. I just wanted to improvise, you know, just free form.
1: I, I'm so impressed that you were so di- the talent I can see immediately, but the discipline is that's what's sort of inspiring in another way. Um, yeah, because I took piano my whole childhood, but it's so clear that you were so gifted. She sees this. Plus, you're so enthusiastic, and is bringing it to a whole new level. Yeah, you're not just doing your scales.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, this, yeah, the scales and and the the theory and you know practicing. I mean, it was good for a while. I was good at it for a while. Like I was a really good student when I was younger. But then I just started getting lazier and lazier about. Piano homework And uh, More interested In just improvising So I lost my Ability to focus Like that Like You know
1: As a teenager Or a little bit before then
0: Maybe around like 12 or something like that But
1: that's For most of us That's normal
0: Yeah I think that's totally normal
1: But the fact is You wanted to improvise With the piano That's the difference Most people would lose focus yeah, And then right. they go do another activity
0: Yeah do another thing Yeah uh,
1: But yours was not It wasn't maybe losing focus As much as like Wanting to just do your own thing with
0: it maybe maybe you were bored yeah I mean that could have been it yeah I mean it was definitely the structure was a little like
1: confining
0: yeah confining and also just it was overwhelming like I just wasn't very inspired to do the work anymore so whenever I'd start playing a piece I would just veer into just designing my own piece so yeah which you know I'm sure my teacher wasn't super happy with but you know I did the best I could.
1: did you study any other kinds of music or comedy or like
0: uh, violin
1: violin also
0: yeah, in the school system for about eight years.
1: What was the anti drug show that you put on?
0: Oh, there was a uh I think it was in fifth grade or fourth grade I mean it was fourth grade actually um, I convinced my principal that I wanted to do an anti drug play, and they were. They were like, okay, sure. So I wrote this play um, and made fake drugs at home. I remember, like, getting a bunch of flour and, like, getting a bunch of basil and some, you know, whatever, like I love the details, though. You know? How did you know
1: so much about drugs?
0: Um... I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was just, you know, it was like seeing it on TV, you know, seeing TV shows. But, like... Yeah, so I put together these things, and then I, I don't can't even remember how it went, but I just remember wearing my dad's like utility belt from his being a military policeman, and me acting like I had like an officer's cap, and, and 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 I, and I busted, someone for like using drugs or whatever, and was chasing them, and I, all the kids were laughing at me.
1: Is this before the Dare campaigns?
0: Uh, Do you this is your, brain on this drugs. is your brain on drugs. Yeah, yeah. I think I think those might have been around, actually.
1: I just remember when Len Bias like died, and they said he would only done cocaine once. I was like, I am never doing cocaine.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I,
1: only recently that I realized that that was a PR campaign.
0: Oh, right. <laughs>
1: that it is entirely possible he actually did coke more than once. That's so funny. <laughs> but I was like so taken with
0: That's it. So funny. And it's we- it's true.
1: I didn't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to ask, like, no. why they went to Spain and then Montana?
0: Uh, because he was in the military, so that's where they were stationing him. In Spain? Yeah, in Spain, and, yeah, Germany, Spain, Italy.
1: Italy also? Mm-hmm. And then Montana?
0: And then Montana, yeah.
1: So, like, how long were you in Germany and then Spain and then Italy?
0: Not very long in Spain. I think maybe uh, a year or so, maybe and then Spain for a couple years and maybe or Italy before that and then Spain I'm not exactly certain the routing but Spain was I think a couple years
1: Did you go to, did you go to school with other american kids in the military or did you go to an embassy Well school?
0: I wasn't going to school then oh, so oh, I moved baby. to Montana when I was 4 Oh okay So you
1: barely remember the flight
0: Yeah but I remember starting preschool when I got to the US but I was I could only speak spanish at the time
1: because that was what you spoke at home?
0: Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was weird. So so I had, like, you know, a French mom and I was speaking Spanish, and my dad, you know, was speaking English, and so it was very confusing. But then I, I got into preschool and then I had to learn English.
1: Wait, so how did you make the switch? Because I spoke Spanish at home, and my school was French and English when I was little. And, it, and uh, I think it was very just confusing. being in Spain.
0: Okay. Yeah, and just being around, I had a Spanish babysitter. I think sometimes. Yeah. And uh, she'd speak to me in Spanish, and uh, so I mean, I think that's probably how it happened.
1: But then when you got to, I meant like learning English. How were you able to oh, do you remember if that was challenging? Or? I
0: think I don't really remember. I just remember me not being able to speak very English very well. And, um,
1: did it have any repercussions, like making friends or anything like that?
0: I don't remember. I think yeah. I learned English. Like it seemed like I learned it like fairly quickly. I don't know. I don't really remember the process of learning it so much.
1: Why did they give you some- Reginald? Reginald Lucian Frank
0: mm-hmm. Roger Watts. It's
1: a very long name.
0: Yeah, I guess it's a European thing. I get like people from the family get a name in your name or something like that.
1: Is it all on your driver's
0: license? No, it's just Lucian okay. on the driver's license. Okay. But um, but on the birth certificate, I think it says all that.
1: I'm Catherine Simone Avnet Lazarus. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> like I that? don't know what a mouthful, and my name is a mouthful also.
0: Oh, what is it?
1: Catherine Simone Avnet Lazarus.
0: What's the one before Lazarus? Avnet? Avnet. A-V-N-E-T.
1: That's my mom's main name. Okay.
0: So it's a hybridized last name? Yeah. Your mom's last name and your dad's Okay. yeah okay
1: but so i meant like i know what it's like to have a, oh yeah yeah a long, long name, name yeah, yeah yeah but yours is twice as long
0: well i don't know it's just weird
1: it's like your mom was in seventh grade and she was like i'm gonna name my child and she like went through all the boys names that she liked yeah and then you got all of them she didn't like actually narrow it down
0: yeah she well i think that frank was from uh is a friend a friend of the family or something like that, Frank. Or an uncle. And then Roger was her step brother that she really loved. That was married to her sister Carmen. And so I think that's why that name's there and then Lucien was a was an old friend to the family, like to her father or something like that. did she speak French at home? Um yeah. Yeah she does.
1: So then you speak? You spoke French at home? Mm-hmm. Spanish?
0: Well, Spanish faded away. There was nobody speaking Spanish anymore, so I kind of lost that. German? Not too much German. I took German in high school okay. for a year and a half. But um, I was learning it. I was interested in learning it. But I just kind of lost interest after a while. It
1: always seems like language and math and music are related. It seems like people who are good at math and music well people who are good at math can often be quite musically inclined
0: maybe I, mean, I was terrible at mathematics and language I mean, terrible language was alright
1: sounds like I'm probably terrible at theories <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I wonder what that is <laughs> sounds
1: like my theory usually, about math music and language is <laughs> usually,
0: usually people are good at like writing amazing. and and uh, and and hosting <laughs> and interviewing usually not so good at theories <laughs> Turns Wait. out.
1: So then, how come you got kicked out of school? Which school? Did, did you get kicked out of high
0: school? Oh, I didn't get kicked out of okay. high school. No, I got.
1: Why did I think you were kicked out of high school? I just. I got like,
0: kicked out of orchestra in high school.
1: Oh, that's a much different thing. I read all these articles on you, and you <laughs> for, for disobedience, for acts of uh, disobedience.
0: Well, I gotten. I was definitely in ISS a lot.
1: What's in, ISS?
0: In school suspension.
1: What were you doing, Reggie?
0: I was just kind of mouthy and a little rebellious. Yeah. You know, at I times... See, it's just when, when teachers would... When I thought that they were being unreasonable about something, I'm just... My reaction was always to be a smart mouth. Yeah. So I would get in... I would get in trouble. Very, very much like... uh Judd Nelson and Breakfast Club.
1: Complete no, and I like I looked up to that, and like that's all I did was like aspire to say something quippy. It's
0: like blah 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 blah, just like whatever (laughs) in school suspension. But yeah, I was there a few times. I had to do a lot of extracurricular homework and eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with one slice of cheddar cheese. It was like prison food.
1: That was what they gave you. Yeah,
0: the lunch it was like peanut butter and jelly once. Like an apple, a slice of cheese, and a milk.
1: That is like, so hard to like physically hard to swallow, and it's a lot hard to get that stuff out the other end. I
0: think. Yeah, they had no. They gave us no salads or anything like
1: that. I think that would be hard to. Uh, well, the apple. Of, the like, apple. The apple. Assuming that the apple hadn't been frozen for.
0: Yeah, for sixty-two <laughs> years. Sometimes <laughs> probably celery and celery and peanut butter.
1: I thought I had read an article that said you were kicked out of school and I was like why was he
0: kicked out because no I definitely wasn't skating. kicked out of school just well, orchestra kicked out of orchestra in high school yeah
1: okay and then you went to the we're almost done with your educations your curriculum mm-hmm. education,
0: mm-hmm. education.
1: <laughs> I just like to know how people grow up and like what
0: well it's interesting you know I mean it's they're important important years you know that uh, you know it's massive uh, formation years so course
1: yeah don't you feel defined
0: by it a little bit yeah of course I mean yeah I mean back then I I guess you know you're fairly I guess you're more naive and honest about you know who you are your behavior is a little bit less guarded you know or less uh, you know there's less awareness about what you're doing yeah so, so a lot of the actions Are just more impulsive And more
1: Is that more honest though?
0: I don't know if it's a, Well I think it's There's a form of honesty For sure Because You're not editing What you're doing Yeah You know you're not like Oh I better not do this So I'm mean, so much I mean yeah There's of course There's that You know like I shouldn't be doing this Or But Sometimes people are just like Hey get in And you're just like Cool And you just jump in And you just ride away Completely You know And you just go on so. a road trip You know and now I feel like I'm trying to get my life more in that in that groove, like realizing, like, okay, I have some extra resources now. It's funny, like, when you're a kid, you had, you know, you had a house and parents and free school and, you know, probably if you went to public school. So you kind of... It was awesome. Like you, you know, you didn't really have anything to do except for your homework.
1: Yes, totally.
0: You know, so when you had, when you could kind of squeeze in free time, it was just totally random and free, and you had a way of surviving. You know, there was a way to eat. There was a way to, you know. Yes. So yeah, but then when you become an adult, when you leave and you go into society and you find a job and things like that, you get some of that gets taken away. I mean, you definitely. Huge it's,
1: parts of that it, okay.
0: it's it's still there. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of twenty year olds that you know their parents might still be paying for their rent, or they're like going to school and they're just kind of fucking off at school, but they're like go you know on weekends, just taking long weekends out and like with a, huge groups of friends and like having fun like that. You know that still exists, but like the gravity of the real world just starts to weigh on people and slowly, yeah, people start peeling off and like uh, I have to fucking get my shit together, or I want a family, or I'm you know, and so then. Everyone starts kind of getting slowed down by the atmosphere, you know, and the re- and the gravity, uh, the reality of their lives that they've chosen, and uh, and then after a certain point, if you can gain enough resources or structure your life to like be efficient in the use of the resources that you have, then, then you can start to actually be random again.
1: How, so how have you done that, like for yourself? Because I'm a starving artist, <laughs> so I don't like travel. I don't do anything. Really? But, like,
0: I think I think you're, I think you're I, gonna, I, I think I, you're I, gonna I, have a show. <laughs> I think you're gonna have a show, and people are gonna be supremely interested in your style of finding out things. Thank I think you. that I think that's what's gonna, what's gonna happen. First, we can
1: go on a road trip.
0: Yeah, we can go on a road trip in Madagascar. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. I really want to do that. Yeah,
1: and we'll just like pick up animals.
0: Yeah, we can just pick them up and set them down immediately,
1: and they'll all sound like Chris
0: Rock. All the animals will, of yeah. course, of and course, have to
1: set them down immediately, of
0: course. Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, it's just you know when you find something that you want to do. I mean, basically, the secret is try to. You know, do what you love to do and get paid for it. I agree. Yeah, and and do and I mean, there's always concessions along the way. Like you, you take a job that's in the field that you want to be doing, but it's not total autonomy. You know, but that's okay. It's a stepping. What's an example
1: for you though? For
0: that? Oh, I don't know. Like, um, I don't know. Like maybe, like, like being a hired gun for uh you know, like a a band or like when I was working with Soul Live or something like that. Uh-huh. It was like you're a lead singer, you know, like you'll write with us, but we also have other songs that we need you to be a part of. So I was I was a part of someone else's project.
1: Yeah. This is when you were in Seattle and you were
0: doing music? this. I was in Seattle and that's where they discovered me with my band Mocktube when Soul Live we played a show together in Seattle. Oh
1: cool. Okay. And then they
0: invited me to come down Um, or come over to New York to go on a tour with them so I went on their tour bus down the east coast in like the middle of winter it was crazy and so they had me on this tour bus and they would have me sit in and jam a little bit and then they asked me to like be a part of the band for a while and I was like okay so but being in that someone else's project was awesome because it's learning you know I get to learn I get to ride on someone else's you know expense Yes.
1: yes and
0: learn about how things work You know, um,
1: and how they work well. Like it's not just like learning, because I do think on your own you can also learn a lot of unnecessary lessons.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, things that you didn't need to do. You know, so so it's you know you you know or for like someone who writes, you know, they'll get a writing job for someone else's show. You know, it's not like the ultimate thing, but like it's related, and you know, and it's probably hopefully. Quasi fun people around you, you know. So I mean, it it can be really cool. But even after a while like that, if you have a if you have a strong inner vision of what you want to do, it's like you know that that's just temporary. So there's all these kind of in betweens. But um, but being able to take these jobs and relate with people very well and like do high quality work is all along the path of you doing what you want to do. And and then you just slowly but surely start heading towards that path of like oh what's the show you want to do or what's the thing you want to do and then it's all you And
1: but for you is that happening like with your band as well at the same time where you're like I want to go do my own thing or was it happening because after working with Soul Live you were like I want to go do my own thing
0: I mean after I mean after Soul Live you know I, I was awesome to play with those guys but I also knew that you know they they were on a a different path, and they also their pattern is to work with the vocalist for like a couple of years, and then they, you know, then they kind of do an album by themselves, and then they ask, add a, add a vocalist again. So that was the pattern. So for me, it was like, well, it's a gig, paid money. I could survive. It gave me enough money to move to New York. I moved to New York. You
1: know, Two thousand seven. Two thousand three. Three. Oh my god, we're getting so old because I know. I know. I'm just like pushing back the clock on my own end. It's, it's
0: <laughs> okay. It's okay. You look exactly
1: the same. <laughs> Actually, I ran into someone in the um, changing room at New York Sports Club, oh,
0: yeah. and
1: she's like, "Did you go to kindergarten with me?" And I did. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> it was so that is so crazy. You're like, you're like. You're just standing there, and then someone comes up to you and says, recognizes you from kindergarten?
1: It was my voice, but I still feel like there was a part of me that was like, I think I've grown. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I keep doing all the exercises. <laughs> and my brother had a huge crush on her, because she rode the school bus with us, and I was like, he'd be really jealous right now. Oh, my God. Because she and I were both in our birthday suits. But wait, okay, so you moved here 2003, and then you were still doing music,
0: I mean I was I moved here for the comedy for comedy, but uh, I was doing music at the time, and I think I might have been still I'm not sure if I wasn't so alive anymore at that point, maybe I was, but I can't remember
1: And your own band you were still
0: playing with them uh no, I mean we kind of quit and then we didn't officially split or anything like that, but we just stopped because I moved to New York.
1: Are you still close to them?
0: Yeah, yeah. We had a jam session to, well, last time I was in Seattle oh, this, nice. this year. Okay, very good. So we had a jam session. The bass player wasn't there, but I had just seen the bass player like a few days before because I was on tour and I went through Phoenix, where he lives. So I met I met him uh, and his wife, and we hung out for a little while, but I still haven't seen their kids. They have two kids now, and like I haven't, just haven't seen them because every time we come through town, it's always like a day.
1: Yeah, what is your life like now? Because I remember when I saw you perform, you were always—it was always magical. I feel like you. <laughs> did you feel that way inside? I'm asking two questions at once, but one is like, did it feel right from the beginning? Because watching, you were right from the beginning.
0: Um, I mean, it felt—I felt definitely like, like I was like I had I had a voice, you know, that I could. I had something different that I could offer, you know that hopefully blend it in with other things you know
1: does that make sense what i'm saying like it didn't feel like a, oh you've grown so much
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. like you
1: really were quite delightful and enchanting <laughs> from the get go whereas a lot i mean i think most people will say that they like they were terrible and then they finally figured out who they were on stage
0: oh right yes so if they start
1: younger things like that like it seemed like you had figured a lot of that stuff out before you got on stage doing comedy
0: well, I mean a, I mean a little bit, but a lot of it came from just having a lot of experience playing in music and bands, you know, just, you know, I was used to that, so, and then I had done some sketch stuff and some stuff in drama, improvised, like, monologues in, in drama, so and I just anti-drug. treated it like drama. And the
1: anti-drug performance. Yeah,
0: Yeah, 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 there's a lot of, like, I already had experience in performance for a long time, so it just felt more like drama rather than comedy
1: right
0: you know like the like so and a lot of the acts and the the alt scene were very almost like could have been people that i knew in drama you know what i mean so yeah there are people like leo allen you know that would like craft jokes you know and to stand up there and like you know reveal their jokes their their magical jokes and and tons of people you know definitely this is a stand-up comedian but but also just off enough that it could have been, it totally could have been drama you know, it could have been I, 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 like even
1: when you just said that, I was just thinking about Leo and I was like, oh yeah this joke about origami that he does, like it is, you get to know people by their jokes, their works mm-hmm. and in that sense it could be like that was his play the, you know, yeah. it's if I'm talking about a playwright or something like yeah, that. Completely. Yeah, I can see
0: that yeah, completely
1: and then like did you become famous before being on television or do you feel like television has made you more I, famous? I think... That's a stupid question. Let's, let's erase
0: that question. <laughs> I mean, tele- How
1: has being on TV changed your life?
0: Oh, I see. Well, I mean, people definitely recognize me a lot more. Um, and, uh... Uh, what else I mean yeah I mean it's more like a recognition thing I guess more people want to take a photograph or you know say hey, I really like your work you know but that's kind of it it's just really an increase in people saying yo but it's kind of I don't know that's try. That's how I'm trying to notice it but it, definitely if I go to a festival um, uh, it's hard to get around hard, it's hard for you hard, to get around yeah do,
1: yeah Do you
0: feel that way In the streets too Yeah I mean It can be that way It's funny Like I'll go all over The world now Like people will Kind of recognize me A little bit Like in different places and different cities In Europe And and Australia and, um, and that's And that's cool I mean it's cool Because at least There's a platform That people can Kind of recognize And they You know They're like they like some aspect of my work so that enables me like when I make some really cool stuff that I can at least have people to give it to you know they'll be like hey what else is there uh, oh yeah there's uh, this you know
1: and do you perform in other languages
0: I mean when I'm in France I use, I use French but I usually rely on more music about okay. um, it you know the, uh, the universal language the
1: universal language of
0: love Um, yeah you know It's uh, As long as you're happy, that's that's all that matters. Is it? (laughs) Well, it's one of the things. I mean, I think dissatisfaction comes with, you know, having a goal and feeling like you're not getting to it, you know.
1: For me, I have taken longer to figure out what that specific goal is and how to get there. So that dissatisfaction is um, a privileged one of, A, being able to afford, even if it's just psychically, like to do what you want. Yep. um, But not fully realizing it yet so the frustration is an internal one versus um what i would consider a much more painful unfair one yeah which is someone who works in a sweatshop or right yes to make money to send it all home and those kinds of things so Mm -hmm. um i think i feel the existential angst i am aware aware is self-indulgent
0: I got to... Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little... It's a little bit of a luxury, but at the same time, it's a, also a mechanism for motivation.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, You yeah. know,
0: so so it's all, you know...
1: Do you do you get depressed or anything like
0: that? Oh, for sure, but mostly about disappointing people.
1: Like what? Like your mom or girlfriend? Uh, it could
0: be mom or, or girlfriends or friend-friends, just friends, you know? Just, uh, you know, not being late for somebody or... Not having to cancel or, you know, um, or in the case of, you know, if I have a girlfriend, then, like, how do I deal with that and, like, traveling all the time? Yeah, how do you... I was going
1: to ask you, like, how do
0: you... I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I tried, but it's just, it's very, very... Taxing because I care about people so yes
1: no absolutely you know
0: so I so I'm caring about them but at the same time I'm like realizing my dream you know like I'm trying to get someplace yes you know and uh and so some of it is like having to say hey guys you just gotta trust me you know I I love you guys but you just gotta trust me if I'm a little flaky or whatever I'm just trying to get to this place, I I know I'll know it when I get there, you know, but you just need to trust me on that, so that people can at least go, you know what, I'll accept that, or fuck this dude, whatever, you know.
1: And in your heart, do you feel like you know where that place will be, and that place then you'll stop somehow, or do you feel like you'll be able to just balance the two better?
0: I think maybe I'll be able to balance the two better, but I think for me, it's like, I, I hope to find... Another location. I don't know if New York is the place. New York is kind of like. New York is a place that you live. Well, A, you either have to make a shitload of money. Yes to like really live like you normally could live anywhere else. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, I can't even afford a one bedroom is six hundred thousand dollars in my shitty neighborhood.
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. I'm never gonna buy anything in New York. I'll always rent. Like always. Yeah. Or sublet. I'll always do that. There's no reason for me to invest mm-hmm. in this
1: Bonkers. in this
0: structure. It's just cra- it's just crazy to me. I'm like, I you know, I don't I would know I would feel so stressed out. But um so I mean, New York is like a place where, to me, it's a working town. It's where you come to work and work and work and work, have opportunities, and um, and if you can make it to a certain level in New York, it's a great sign of your ability to survive. You yes. know, and to like figure out how to make a living for yourself. I mean, in this place, it's it's difficult. It's not easy, and um, and there's no bullshit. You know, like I mean and there is shit to deal with but like what i mean is that there's there's a low tolerance for bullshit when it comes to talent. Yes. So people don't tend to make it. Like they can find a pocket to kind of exist in but they won't go any further, you know, yes. like like but if people have talent and drive and they're not assholes um they can really rise to some really amazing places in New York. Like New York can really open up and go, like, "Oh, hey, come on in." Yeah, this person's great. I love this person. Yeah, come on in. You know, so it'd be very welcoming. But at the same time, it just takes so much energy. It's like so much energy to stay here. You know, it's crazy. I Were mean, you ever
1: here and not making money? It seems.
0: Yeah, like. yeah, of course. Well, you I did mean, go to when those? I first moved, well, when I first moved here, I was on, you know, I was on third, third and C, and. um... You know, far away from subways, seven floor or six floor walk up, and um, with my friend Tommy Smith. Okay. Um, and uh, and I lived with another girl named Jasmine, and then a couple other roommates. They fluctuated. It was a three bedroom place, and my room was as big as a closet. Like it was just like the classic in New York, yes. like when you move to New York. I'm glad I had it. Like that's what you want you know I had to get a single person bed you know just a, single totally, bed. I a bed you know? totally
1: I had like a child size bed you know totally
0: like a little closet. kid's bed because it was so, so small the door barely closed because my bed was in the way of the door closing
1: <laughs> I had to walk through the shower to get to my child sized bed and that was all that fit in the closet that
0: there you go <laughs> But that's that's where you live. That's how that's what you can afford, you know, that's that's how $800. It works. eight hundred dollars. Yeah. My I think mine was like like maybe seven hundred dollars or eight hundred bucks. But like you know, but we had access to the roof. We were right on the very top, so we could just go out on the roof. So we had like uh you know, another space essentially. And we had a you know, good sized living room. It was just kind of a junky apartment, but it had a huge kitchen. It's crazy huge kitchen. And, um,
1: Do they have the long hallways? I feel like that's such an epitome of New York, like wasted space m- on hallways.
0: No, not not so long. It was pretty like just straight up kind of a building. <laughs> like it was just uh, you know there were units. I think on like one, two, maybe three. Yeah, three sides. There were units. So the stairwell kind of went to the center and kind of went up. And there's maybe three units per floor or something like that.
1: I like that. You're like we had access to the roof. We had access to free air.
0: Yeah. But the roof is a big Doing deal. the pigeons. The, the roof is a big deal in New York. Having a roof access is, like, fucking badass. Because especially no one else really used it. Right. So it was like, and just an addendum, it was like we had a terrace, you know, that was included for no extra charge.
1: And having that time of being broke, what do you feel like that did for you?
0: Well, I mean, I was I was poor... I mean, in Seattle, I was poor. There were moments when I was poor, and then sometimes I'd be in a band, and it would make money, you know, and so we'd, you know, have some extra money, um, but there was a lot of times where I, you know, I didn't know how I was going to come up with rent, and uh, I lived like that for many, many years, so, I mean, money, I mean, I was counting quarters and pennies and, you know, to, like, buy a meal, you know? Yes, so, yeah. Um, Yes, I know that well. And I had that change jar that I hoped I would never have to go into, you know, and then like I would always have to go into it. Yes. So, and sometimes ask for money from parents, you know, and it's like, or find some charitable organization like Music Cares or something and like have them like, you know, supplement rent for a month or whatever. So there was, you know, food stamps at one point, you know. So, I mean, I, I ran the range of that and being in New York it's, it wasn't any different it's it's a fun time because you know you have little treats like weed you know you're like oh man if I could get uh, you know if I can you know we got a bag of weed so we're like oh wow well then we're set for like the next three days
1: and not boarding school swag
0: yeah it's like I bought a bunch of cheap pasta some you know tomato sauce um, got some wholesale ground turkey or whatever some tomatoes, some onions, you know, maybe some rice or something like that, and some cheese. You're sad. And, and you're like, "We're cool, man. We're gonna make it for the next four days, and we've got a bag of weed, you know. Um, it's everything's fine, and we watch videos or like write stuff or Do you, you know, prefer
1: to perform stoned or pre- or
0: not? I like to perform stoned and and not stoned. You do
1: both.
0: Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Does it feel
0: different? Yeah, it definitely feels different. Sometimes being stoned when I'm performing is not a not the right place for me to be at and sometimes it is and sometimes being totally sober is well most time if if I'm sober I just end up making it work you know but um, or just straight you know not stoned because that's the only drug I do so Um, but I do enjoy it I think it provides some really excellent ideas and um, perspectives and challenges um, to myself so it's kind of a handicap like you kind of handicap yourself and you have to work harder to push through a performance,
1: to stay alert.
0: Yeah, so it kind of puts you in a zone where you have to. Shit's coming at you, you know. So you need to like. You need to develop a system to absorb it and to change it or to avoid it and to you know keep moving forward. And so it's good training. It, it can inspire new things or things that you've thought about doing that you forgot. Yes. Usually, when you go on stage. Be like, oh, someday I'd love to do this when I'm on stage, but I always, I never remember, you know. Yes, and, I
1: forget all the time. And I'm then
0: like, you, like, great. get up, and suddenly all of a sudden I'm doing this weird thing. I'm like, oh, that's, I remember. That was a thing I was thinking about, you know, a year ago about doing, and, I, and now I'm finally doing it, you know, or whatever. I
1: have two quick last questions. Yeah, please,
0: play? no, please. The
1: TEDx, Ted is it true you had to audition for it that they, like, didn't know who you were?
0: Yeah, I did. <laughs> Someone who
1: worked there told me that where he was like I kept trying to explain to my bosses who he was.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was basically yeah they had I was Ted I think it was Ted Full Spectrum it was like the real you know the the Long Beach Ted.
1: Why did you want to do it?
0: I always thought, well, I mean, it was a an honor to, you know to be able to speak or to perform. I mean and I h I'd heard that like Regina Specter had done it. Yeah, so you've a, performed what? An with. image and heap. Yeah. So I'm big fans of their, their work. Yes. And and um and I was like, wow well, you know, if they're if they're doing it, I think I could I think I could I think I could do it. you know no, I
1: love I mean I, I listen to them and download the videos and stuff. I was just curious for you yeah. like, what the impetus yeah. was. No, I mean for me
0: that yeah that was it. I mean it's just that I love science and I love technology and I love the ideas of you know where humanity can go and design and things like that so that's totally my pocket of you know people and that type of thing and i had done pop tech and that's a very similar type of thing and um yeah pop tech and then some tedx's and design in daba and uh in south africa so i like i've done enough of these things that i was like oh yeah uh think I could do it, you know, I really, and I couldn't figure out how to, you know, get invited, and then when I heard they were having these auditions, I was like, fuck this, and I just, like, signed up. How did up. you
1: hear that they were having auditions? I think
0: it was online. Okay. Oh, yeah, you know? and, uh, yeah, and I just signed up, showed up, and it was like, I think 25 people got accepted, and then, to, and then I think of the 25, like, I think it was like, I don't know, nine or something like that, got chosen to go to TED, and, uh, yeah, and they chose... Yeah, that chose me. And I got to go to Ted and do the Ted Ted thing. It, it was awesome.
1: Your piece of, like it was so cathartic. I was just like thinking about grad school when you're like we are human we sorry, we are we are people aside from that, we are only humans. I was like, Did you just rip off my entire grad school <laughs> thesis? <laughs> Which is complete and utter nonsense of academic jargon.
0: It's totally it's totally true. And it's just, you know, the sound of something
1: It was so perfect.
0: It sounds... Like something, you know.
1: I learned that from Three Men and a Baby when Tom Selleck is reading the baby about boxing, and he's like, "It doesn't matter what you read; it's the voice you use."
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: The epistemological <laughs> underpinnings of Reggie Watts's musical career are clear <laughs> in well, what he expounds. Well,
0: well, the the yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely truth in there, but. Um, but also... No, that
1: was utter nonsense, what I just said. Well, I think it made sense to me. <laughs> okay,
0: good. <laughs> it made sense to me. I feel so validated. Well, it's true. Um, but I, th- I think that when you're speaking like that, I mean, it's, you know, fake it till you make it, or... Um, a lot of it is intent, you know, and uh, co- confidence, and...
1: With academia, though, there's like an earnest attempt to be precise because you care so much. Sure. But it ends up. So I think there is a, a genuine earnestness and not a sort of like car salesman kind of cheating there. But it no. ends up becoming um, much more confusing and confounding and unnecessary. Yeah.
0: I mean, a lot of times it's just someone trying to describe something that really it's just all about the actions that they're performing. So, yeah. you know, talking about. I don't know, mitochondria, you know, like, cell division, you know, and stuff like that. Like, I mean, unless you find an interesting way to, you know, to use metaphors for it, you know, where you can explain complex things in really simple, exciting ways. And that's, that's for me, that's what's exciting about a good talk, you know, like, someone engages your imagination in, in showing, showing the audience, the listener, their passion for why why they're so excited about doing this?
1: Who are the people who do that for you? Because you do that for everybody.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, who was it? Um, there was a an astrophysicist that was giving a, or maybe it was a quantum physicist.
1: Or maybe it was Astro, the dog from the Jetsons.
0: It was Astro. It was it was a mechanical dog giving the presentation. I just thought for sure it was a human being. I know I can't remember, but they right now, but well, there was a space archaeologist, I forget her name, but um, she was great. She was talking about how they use um, orbiting satellites to do imagery on ancient dig sites in order to get to reveal uh, more about the city that they' that they're looking for from space. And so they call it space archaeology. And so she talked about that. There was another woman that uh, calls, herself, calls herself a cyborg anthropologist named Amber Case, and uh, she has a company called Case Organics, I think. Case Organic. And um, she deals with, she's a programmer, and she deals with augmented reality, virtual reality, so anything that is about human beings interacting with machines. So cyborgs. So, like, interacting with a cell phone, essentially, is being a cyborg because you're, you're in a virtual space using a machine to navigate into this virtual space but you're this flesh and blood being but using technology to enhance your brain and your experience so you are being a cyborg so a lot of people when you see people nowadays like most time when you go out in the street and if you ever do that noticing how many people are looking at phones it's
1: it's like like
0: zombies kind of like walking walking around but like those are those are all cyborgs like oh you know we're transitioning into an integrated technology technological society, at least in major urban areas.
1: I know I think everywhere and I certainly think kids. So my last very serious question for you, there's been Yes. A lot of debate, um, and a lot of vitriol, I think, over your octave range. Uhhuh. And I've seen four, four and a half, a purported ten someone wrote in an article.
0: What um, was it? I don't ten? know why
1: they use the word purported. Um, but I just wanted to know, like, what do you consider your octave range?
0: Well, Jake Lodwick, my former roommate and the and the creator of Vimeo, uh, created that, that, I think it was the 10-octave thing. That was him. He put that in the bio. So that stuck for a while, and people were just like, he's got a 10-octave range or whatever. And it's like, it's... It's just not true. Like um, it's... I don't think there's a human being on the planet that has ever walked that has a ten octave range. It's just physically impossible. But there are people that have like four octave range, or four or four point five, maybe like five. Four point
1: three,
0: something like that. Like four and a half yeah, to, four and to, four to five, and five. something. Oh, like that.
1: Okay, four and a half to five is. Five,
0: I think is is possible. I could be wrong about that, and if if however this comes out and if there's a forum someone's going to say uh, actually it's uh, you know so I'm glad that they will clarify that but I think it's I think it's like four and a half to five I think I have about this a is good for day the record
1: I, this is the podcast of record what, yeah what is your octave range well, I
0: don't know I think it's four okay. I think it's four octaves can
1: you do them right now
0: my voice isn't warmed up enough to, to do it but but I would say I would say it's four I'm guessing it feels like that. I could definitely get up there and go pretty low. But it's enough to, that people think it's like crazy, you know, interplanetary, but it's just also just switching between them quickly, you know. It's also. That,
1: that's the smoke and mirrors?
0: Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never really, I don't know, I never thought about like, and how many. I mean, I remember we're just sitting at the piano once and trying to see what it was, and I was like, oh, really? It's not that big. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, much larger. But I guess for baritone, it's pretty high.
1: Well, it's certainly beautiful to listen to. And so people should see you on IFC? If,
0: yeah, IFC, yep.
1: Um, And anything else people should look out for?
0: Um, Look out for meteors. Um, Yeah. um,
1: And people on bicycles texting.
0: That's true, yeah, or te- people who are, who are text drifting, which is when they're just kind of drifting around on a sidewalk, and you're trying to predict it, whether they are going to drift to the left or the right to get around them, <laughs> so be careful of that.
1: Okay, I'm going to tell people to look out for that. Reggie Watts, this was such a joy to have you on. Um, I adore you, so well, thank you so much.
0: You're the greatest ever.
1: We Ever. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can go to employeeofthemonthshow.com and that will take you to SoundCloud where you can download individual episodes or you can subscribe to the entire series for free on iTunes, highly recommended. I want to give a very special thanks to Ian Mazoff, Damien Strange, and UCB Theater for making this possible and most especially to you listening. I really, really appreciate it. Um, that's it. Thanks so much. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Eat lots of vegetables and make sure to get some exercise for both of us. Okay. Bye.